In John 20, 19-21. If you're turning there, I want to uh, just give you um, a, a little information about August and, and what we'll be doing there. Um, a couple of months ago, I just was stirred in my heart to think about how we as a church could, uh, could address uh, many of the sicknesses and weaknesses that we've encountered. I was thinking back over my time in ministry and all the way back to the first youth group I led as, a, as an older teenager. And, and I've always seen how the enemy will come in and try to find a way to undermine what God wants to do. He'll, he'll try to confu- bring confusion or disunity or frustration or whatever. He'll just try to tear down the kingdom of the Lord. And I can't remember a time in my life as I look back over the last eight or 10 or 12 months when I've seen what I consider such a strategic focused attack in sickness. And it, it just seems like to me, as I think about the families in our church and our own family, that there's, that there's been, that there's just been a focused attack of sickness. And, and that I've, It's not like that's the thing that I say everywhere I live. I've never seen it like that before exactly. And and so I've seen it in an event. I've never seen it over time like I think that we see it. So I thought, what what can we do? So here's what I want to say to you. In the month of August, I just felt stirred a couple months ago. We're going to give much of the month of August to prayer and teaching on healing. And so the first Sunday, next Sunday morning, I want you to be here for both services, uh, Pastor Ron Cox is going to be here both Sunday morning services, sharing and kind of setting the tone for the month. And then we're going to push our healing and prayer time to Sunday nights. The first Sunday night of August, I'll be sharing on healing, and all of those Sunday night services are going to have a lot of prayer involved with them. You don't, you can't just teach people into healing. You you actually you actually ask God to do it too, and so. Then the next Sunday night, Suzanne is going to speak. And the next Sunday night, uh, Pastor Mark is going to share. And the last Sunday night, uh, Pastor Jeremy. We're just going to take a team approach. And we're going, to, we're going to be, those Sunday nights, Sunday morning and those Sunday nights, we're really going to be emphasizing uh, prayer and healing. And so I just want you to start focusing on that and start asking the Lord. God, is there, is there something you're saying to me and my family about what we're in, in, encountering, or maybe the people that I've been interceding for, and what do you want to do? You know, just just come with an open heart and ask the Lord to speak and minister. And let, let's just believe God that we're going to shove back on what the enemy shoved onto us, and ask the Lord to have victory in it. Because look, these things are distractions uh, to what the Lord wants to do. So I just want, I want you to pray and, and really look forward to next month. I, and we're going to ask the Lord just to give a month to it, okay? So, so begin to prepare and, and put that in your heart. And then on the rest of the Sunday mornings, we'll have a different series. But that's how, that's how we'll go into August. John 20, 19-21. The first time that Jesus said to me, I have things I want you to do. I can still remember the first time in my life, and it's, to be honest with you, it's a little more moving saying it than I thought it would be. But I can still remember the first time Jesus said to me, I have things I want you to do. Now that's probably, you know, the longer we walk in Christ, some of you walk the Lord a long time, that just sounds like such a no-brainer. But it didn't sound that way the first time I heard it. 
Because I'd never heard it. It was overwhelming to me. I'd never heard it before. And it never dawned on me that God had things he wanted me to do for him. Because I viewed God as a person who didn't need any help. And now that I've come along through my walk with the Lord, I realize he's not anybody that needs help. But he wants it. I just thought, God is, you know, you know how it is when you don't know God. We Americans tend to see him way, way away, long, long way away, way up there somewhere, floating around, long way away. And if he was that far away, then I just figured he was bigger than I thought, more powerful than I knew. And if he wanted to do something on earth, he, if he got ready for something to happen, he'd just do it. He didn't need, didn't need me or anybody else in the, in the way. But as, I, as God came closer, as I realized he was closer than I thought, I began to hear him say to me, I, I have things that I want you to do. And I began to realize he wanted my help. He wanted me involved. The first time he said it to me, it, it overwhelmed me because it felt too early. I mean, I had only been a believer for, I don't remember exactly, but it was months. It wasn't, it wasn't a year yet. And I can remember just finding Christ and realizing how incredible it was to be forgiven and have all the guilt and shame. When I realized I wasn't condemned anymore, when I realized I was free in Him, you know, the joy flowing through my life was overwhelming. And then it's like I hit a brick wall and He said, all right, now i got stuff for you to do. It, 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 It caught me off guard because it felt too early. The only thing I could think is, I'm not ready yet. How many of you have ever had God ask you to do something you're not ready yet? (laughs) The rest of you need to repent. God, look, Lord, I'm, I'm into this. I'm into Christianity and I'm into church and, and I, I like my church and I like what you're doing and, and I'm growing and, but look, I'm, I, I, I'm not trained. I didn't, I don't, I didn't come from a line of 18 generations of, you know, Christians or, or pastors or leaders or, I, I, I don't, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this. But it, it had an opposite effect on my life too. It overwhelmed me in another way because it made me feel so unbelievably important. Me? You, you have stuff for me to do? You, have you ever had someone, especially when you're a child and authority, give you an errand to run? And man, I mean, you, you, you took it like it was the hope diamond of the world. You guarded that little thing. What if the president were to ask you personally to do something for him? The value in the task comes from the, from the, the importance of the person who asked you. How important some, some task is oftentimes is attached to how, how high up, how big, how much authority the person who asked you to do it has. Hey, well, the, the president asked me to do this. Oh, well, God asked me to do this. Whoa. Now, that's a whole nother level. It, it was an overwhelming thought to me. It, it just blew my mind to think that God was giving me something to do. Look at John chapter 20, 19 through 21. 
On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples... Now, this is after Jesus has resurrected. He's, he's back from the grave. Uh, when the disciples were together with the doors locked... <laughs> that makes me laugh. Jesus is gone and we're locking the doors. Didn't lock the doors before then. We're deadbolting them babies. For the fear of the Jews... It's a group that needed Pentecost, isn't it? Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now watch this. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. In other words, all right. <laughs> I'm going to give you a peace be with you sandwich. Because what's in the middle is, is not going to be as, as peaceful. Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Let me translate. Unlock the door. Unlock the door. My Father unlocked the door of heaven, and I walk through it onto this earth among you. The Father sent me, and as He has sent me, I'm sending you. As he has given me things to do, he, I'm giving you things to do. I'm giving you stuff to do. All people in the kingdom have one thing in common. We've all been sent. We've all been sent. In this series on the journey of discipleship, we've talked about kind of the three big pieces as you as you walk that path of life in discipleship that journey with Jesus the first thing you hear is come to me pastor mark ministered last week follow me today i want to share with you go with me if you're taking notes write it down like that go with me why go with me because we're not working for Jesus, we're working with Jesus. Go with me. Jesus is not going to send you anywhere He's not. And by the way, He's everywhere. Jesus isn't going to commission you into something that He's not going to already be doing. I, I think we mistakenly think that God isn't there until the church shows up. I've had interesting conversations with people who, who don't go to church, who haven't gone to church, who don't know anything about God, but yet as you talk to them, you say, wait a minute. How did you know that? I don't, I don't know. Had this sense. Romans 1 says, through creation in your conscience, you've been made aware there's a God. We mistakenly think that God's activity is centered in the church. God's activity is centered in God. God's activity is centered in the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus left, the Comforter came and He filled the whole earth. And the Holy Spirit is everywhere working. What I think the ministry of the church does, the ministry of the Christian, is we come along and confirm what that work is. We come along and say, you might not have known this, that's God. That's God talking to you. God did that. Isn't it amazing there were things that you didn't know God was doing until you look back over 10 years? 
How many times have you heard somebody's testimony say, well, I didn't know it was God. But now as I look back, I can see how God weaved all this through my life. Where does that come from? But somebody, but God kept bringing people into your life to confirm to you, hey, let me, I'm praying for you. Hey, come to church with me. Hey, let me share this scripture with you. Because some, God sent them to you. Jesus is already working on the people he sent you to. He doesn't say, go get them. He says, go with me. Go with me. What, it, what does the Great Commission say? Go into all the world, and when you get done, I'll be here. Go into all the world, and I will be with you always, even until the end of the earth. He's not sending you out by yourself. And He's not sending you to places that He's not already at. Come, go with me. Go with me. Go with me into service. Go with me into ministry. Go with me into evangelism. Go with me into relationships. The question I came to ask you this morning is, have, have you heard Him say, go with me? Have you, have you heard Him... You've heard him say, come to me. Maybe you've heard him say, follow me. Have you heard him say, go with me? Where where has he sent you to? Where have you been sent? Look, I think think that we have unconsciously spent too much time in church ministry talking people into doing ministry. Because we make it slick enough or sharp enough or easy enough or convenient. And I'm look, I'm for making it simple and I'm for making it understandable and I'm for making a clear path and all of that. But I think sometimes we have called people into ministry or, or we've called people to action in the kingdom. And we've not, we've not given you a chance sometimes to hear God say it. But when God says it, 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 I'm like, not your problem. I can ask you, do you mind serving in this? Do you mind helping with this? Do you mind doing that? But look, that's my voice. God may use my voice. And I may speak when he's not speaking sometimes. But what you have to wrestle with is, is is when God says it. See, this isn't about filling positions in the church or getting more workers in spots. We don't have any sign-up sheets in the foyer. We don't have any inserts in your bulletin. We don't have anything for you to sign up for. When it comes down to it, it's a matter of heart. It's a matter of the heart and the ear. Have I heard and and have I responded? This is about becoming one of the sheep who hear his voice and follow him wherever he leads. If he's the one sending you and not, and not me, that changes everything. Do you know where Jesus has asked you to go with him? Do you know? I think sometimes we're more in tune with what we've been saved from than what we've been saved for. What's your purpose? Your, your ultimate purpose in life is, is to know God. But as you're knowing him, he's got you on a path and he's going to he's going to seep you into places that he's working and you're going to see what he says is, I don't have a physical body anymore. 
It was like resurrected and went to heaven. What I want you to do is stand there in that classroom or stand there in that nursery or, or minister in that nursing home or, or get on Facebook and commun- say what I would say if I was there. Do what I would do if I was there because I'm only there in spirit now. I don't have a physical body. I don't, you can't watch me anymore. You, you, have to, you have to listen to me tell you what to do in that minute. In that time frame, in that space. The other day, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, I think it was our oldest son, I don't remember. I have a 12 and 8 year old. One of them said, I'm bored. Any of you have kids? You ever have that curse come on your home? I want school to be out. It's, it's out, baby. It is out. Now, fill your day. <laughs> I'm bored. There's nothing to do, Daddy. I'm bored. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I like to have fun. So what I want to do is cure that. Oh, there's got to be something fun to do. And I just felt the check and I backed up and I went, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not, I wonder if God could use this. I'm not going to solve this. I'm not going to move in with a solution to someone else's boredom. Looked at my son and I said, you know, this is good. Really? Dad has lost it. Why is this good? I think if we I think if we don't view boredom as a sickness to be cured and let it work its work in us, it may lead us to a deeper path than we think. What is boredom for? Boredom causes us to wrestle with the purpose of our life. I'm bored. Why am I bored? Because I don't know what to do. Why don't I know what to do? Because I don't I don't know what is my life about. <laughs> Boredom can lead you. Don't keep your kids so busy that they never never feel bored. And, and, and don't try to find a cure to boredom when it comes along. Boredom causes us to search for meaning. In our search for meaning for our life, Jesus just may whisper in the middle of that and say, Go with me. I have meaning for your life. Jesus asked everyone to go with him. I, there's, there's probably more. Today, I wanted to just give you three places. I think Jesus whispers to every believer, go with me to three places. The first one is, Jesus asks everyone to to go with him in your strength. He asks you to go to three places. The first place is in your strength. Go with him where you're strong. Serve where you're strong. Minister where you're strong. Minister where you have gifts. Minister where you, where you know what you're doing. Paul was called to be a missionary. Have you read the New Testament? Is there anybody better to be a missionary than Paul? I mean, he was cut off the missionary block. He called the Apostle Peter to the Jews. He called Pastor Micah to worship. He called Pastor Mark to discipleship. He called Pastor Joel to kids' ministry. You look at those people and you say, <laughs> they're ministering out of their strength. The first call that God gives you, the first place He asks you to go with Him is where you're strong. I talked to someone a couple of weeks ago that I was so impressed with. 
maybe you, maybe you know who he is. Thomas Ram, a man in our church, if you've seen him, you'll know it. Big football player, played for University of Alabama, God's team. I mean, University of Alabama. And it's Freudian. I, 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 and uh, he played for U- University of Alabama. And I was talking to him the other day on the phone. And he was talking about the football camp in the community in Alabaster. Maybe you've seen the signs around town. I forget what it's called. And uh, that he's doing, and he just shared about 10 minutes with me what it's for. He is using football camp to minister the gospel of Christ to kids who otherwise wouldn't hear it. And I talked to him, I said, I said Thomas, you're a, you're a missionary. He said, what? I said, you're as a missionary as any missionary we support and send over, over to another country. What is a missionary but a people sent to an unreached group? I said, Thomas, you're a missionary. He said, really? Yeah. Man, go, man. Go in Jesus' name. Go and be effective. He said, you know, I never thought about it like that. He said, what I'm trying to do is just use the platform that God's given me to share his love. And he said, God's given me athletics. You know, I think God has, has said to you, come go with me. It's where you're strong. Go with him where you're strong. The second place I think he asked you to come go with him is where you're weak. There will be those moments, those seasons, that's not going to be most of your life, thank God. But there will be those times that God will say, the only way I can work on this in you is to put you in a place that you're weak. Go with me. And God will lead you into your weakness. I was sitting in a church about this size, warehouse style in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And we're sitting in the service and none of us, uh, no El Spanol. <laughs> and the missionary is passing down notes uh, with little messages on it to try to help us understand what's happening in the service. And then all of a sudden, I'm about the 11th person down. Notes are popping down. Then a note came down about the 11th. Hey, hey, missionary wants you to, uh, in a few minutes, we're going to have kids' church. Missionary wants you to go to kids' church. <laughs> I said, uh, send it back. <laughs> Not going. What do we, but I can't, I can't get up and talk to him. We just have to. But the time, it's like 30 minutes away. And we're, we're playing tennis across 11 people. Look, I, 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 I'm, I'm not good at that's not my thing. I'm not good at that. I'm not just that's not. I don't. Jesus wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> I kept sending it back, and finally, my heart just. I said, you know, we didn't come seven thousand miles all the way here to say no to anybody. So I, I said, okay, and, and, and so I started calling the group in in the back of the thing while the service going. You're going to juggle. You're doing a trick. You're, you're going to tell a story, just kind of pull the group in. And I got in that little class, and I do not speak Spanish. And those little beautiful children are looking up at me like the aliens have landed. And I, and I got in there, and I'm starting to tell the only story I know about children in the Bible. And, and this little two-year-old Argentine boy walks up and grabs my leg. And I thought, hey, little buddy, what are you, you know, and he just hears blah, 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 because he doesn't know English. 
It's a real problem. And I, and I just picked him up, and I held him right there. And he just, he just stared at me, and I looked about that far from my face. So I just walked around and held him. Just kind of walked around and talked with him like this. And do you know when I held that little boy, the rest of that class just kind of opened up through the translator and the other stuff we did. And we had such a neat time of ministry. And, and God really taught me some stuff through that. And he worked on some weaknesses that were in me that, that I didn't even know were there. For, for seasons, sometimes Jesus will say to you, go with me to your weakness. And he'll put you in a place that you are not in your area. But God will use it. Now here's the third one. And this is the one I think that we miss most often. You probably have in some way or another heard strength and weakness. I want you to hear this one. Jesus will send you, call you to where you already are. I think we look for those other places and other lands and other relationships and other neighborhoods and other workplaces and other... If we're not careful, we can tend to put the kingdom off so futuristic that it can never be where I'm at now. What what I want to say to you, though, is Jesus will say, go with me where you are. I'm here. Go with me where you are. I think in the scripture about Cornelius' house. Somehow Cornelius had to hear the Holy Spirit say, let the church use your house. My home? We don't have to go into a building program? No. Use your house where you already are. Where you already are. Paul somehow sitting in prison couldn't say, if I ever get out of here, I'll do ministry. Man, if I ever get out of here, I'll follow Jesus. If I ever get out of here, man, I'll I'll do everything God told me to do. I think we have so many pre-qualifiers. When this happens, then... Can I tell you, if you can't do it now, when that happens, you're not going to do it then. Joseph sat in prison. Paul sat in prison. Paul wrote most of the most of the letters he wrote in the New Testament came out of a prison cell. I think because he was so psycho, it's the only way God could confine him long enough to write. <laughs> but God knew. Your family, your job, your network, those you already know, the places you you already go. I think I think so many times we've tried to. We've tried to go with Jesus in events and set frames and set places and set times. And I think one of the burdens on the American church is we try to keep doing evangelism and things like that in programs. What I'd like to say is take a big eraser and wipe all that out. And what I think Jesus is calling the church in America and believers in America, and let me be more specific, believers at Kingwood Church, to do is to go with Jesus where you're already going. You know the Great Commission, Matthew 28? I want to read Matthew 28 to you, verse 19. There's an interesting uh, literal translation. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you see that phrase, therefore go and make disciples? Let Let me give you the literal translation of it. As you go, make disciples. 
So many times we see that following as a, as a, as a, a special event. Something that happens on the church property. Something that happens at 7 on Friday. Or something that happens, you know, like that. What Jesus commissioned the disciples were, as you go, wherever you go. Wherever you're already going. You don't need a better workplace or a better neighborhood or a better opportunity or a better time or better relationships or better anything else. There are no better people that Jesus died for. Jesus died for all the people you and I already know. As you go, make disciples of them. Now, as we, as we walk through this series, come to me, follow me, go with me. I, I know we've laid steps out here, and I know we've talked about it in pieces like this. Hey, God will tell you, come to me. Then, then God will tell you, uh, uh, follow me. And, the, and then God will tell you, go with me. These sound like sort of progressive, isolated steps in a set order. But what I want to say to you this morning is, you're going to hear these throughout your life at various levels. Jesus is never going to stop calling you to come to him. It's not like, well, I got that down. Now let me go on to follow me. Well, I got that down. Now let me go on to go. He's never going to stop calling you to come to him, to know him. He's never going to stop calling you to follow him and become like him. He's never going to stop saying, go with me. These, These are secular. They just, they work over and over and over throughout our life. Come to me. You you want me to know, you, you want it, you want me to know you. Yes. I've heard Jesus say, come to me before I was saved, after I was saved. And many times when I did the Mary and Martha thing, and I thought ministry was more important than knowing him. Then I heard his voice say, hey, come to me. But but Lord, I'm I'm going with you. I, I know that. And, and we in the American world have have the longest work week. In, in the industrialized world. So you know the pressure and schedule. You understand. What I'm saying to you is though. You can become so Americanized in your going. And you're busy in your schedule. And your, and your you know uh, sports leagues. And work. And responsibilities. And home. And paying bills. And doing everything the church asks you to do. That you can get so. That, what I'm saying to you is. Jesus is going to whisper to you several times through your life. Hey whoa whoa whoa. Come to me. I've had to hear him in ministry when I got out there and got too busy working for God. I had to hear him say again, like it was the first time I ever heard it. And then he says, follow me. Take on my ways. You'll, you'll hear that. Look, when, when, he, when you first come to know Jesus, there'll be a lot of points where he'll say, listen, here's the bottom line. In this area, you're not like me. That's what Jesus will basically tell you. In this way, you're not like me. So you haven't taken on my ways. You're still doing thing, things the world's way or your way or whatever. Come follow me. Let me show you how to live. Let me show you how to do this. And, and, and then there are times throughout your life, you're going to hear him say, go with me. When I, when I was a, a late teenager, I heard, I heard Jesus say, go with me to teenagers. So I, 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 follow, I followed Jesus to work with teenagers. 
Another time it was geography. One time I, I heard Jesus say to me, go to Mississippi and work here. So I, I followed him there. There, a few months ago, I was sitting on an airplane and I heard Jesus say to me, go with me into a conversation with this guy sitting next to you. I said, okay. Sometimes it's a season. Sometimes it's a group. Sometimes it's a location. Sometimes it's an event. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a moment. But you're going to hear God whisper to you and say, Come, come go with me. Uh, this week, I was, uh, I'm asked the worship team to come. I was, um, we had gotten back late uh, from our vacation, and I was uh, just kind of detoxing, you know. You, 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 11, you 11 hours in a, a car with 11 people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you need Jesus to help you a little bit. You uh, just let your imagination go wild. I'm thumbing the channels, and I happened to uh, uh, come across, and I usually don't even stop this guy, this business guy. I don't know if he's a CEO, but he he sort of reaches out to CEOs and all that. And he was uh, doing a lecture in a room, maybe half the size, with about a third of this crowd, and he was just sharing about. Um. The opportunities we have to to minister to people. And how oftentimes when we struggle, we have greater opportunities than when we're not struggling. Because people, everybody knows how to live in good times. We, we like get that. But people look real hard at Christians when bad times come. Because they wonder, how do you, how do, you do that? Because they figure they can figure out on their own what to do with, you know, good things. And he told a story about his 15-year-old son named Daniel. He said, my son had went through this season who he couldn't sleep. He said, I mean, I mean, he couldn't sleep. He'd go to sleep about 4 in the morning. And, and uh, he, he, we took him to the doctor. We took him to sleep labs. We took him to specialists. Nobody could tell us why he wouldn't sleep. But it, it, over months... It ruined his life so much, he had to drop out of school. He couldn't even function anymore. And, and we didn't know why. And he said, um, and my son came to me and he said, Dad, why would God do this to me? He said, I mean, I, mean, I play the guitar in the youth band. I'm faithful to church. I read my Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm faithful to God. Why? He said, God, I, he just said, Dad, I, I don't know why God's doing this. I can't understand this. And he said, man, I got so concerned that my son would turn his back on God. You know, there's that moment where those that are young in faith, you love them and you say, man, Lord, don't let this. You know, you don't want them to say, well, if that's what God does to people, then forget it. I'm out. And he said, he was praying for him. Lord, don't let that happen. And he and his wife said, we, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to say. We were saying, God, please let him sleep. Please let him go to sleep. And he said, one night there was a girl in the youth group about two houses down and, uh, she came home from a volleyball game or something late at night, just collapsed in bed and uh, didn't, didn't even change in the night, closed it up, just, went, just passed out in sleep. He said, at 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke her up and said, I don't want you to lay here asleep anymore if Daniel's over there across the sleep, not sleeping. So, so she said, I just felt like God was saying to me, I got, I've, got to, I've got to talk to him. 
She said, but I can't go to his house. At the same time, Daniel was in his room at the breaking point of his life, kind of pretty much telling God, I'm done. Lord, I'm done. Why don't you do this? Why don't you answer this? Why haven't you changed this? Why haven't you fixed this? Pretty much saying, I'm done. And he, the next morning, he walked up to his mailbox, and that girl had put a note in, in the mailbox, and he got out and read it, and it basically addressed everything he had prayed that night. And he went over and talked to her. He said, well, why did, how did you know to do that? She said, well, God just woke me up. He said, what time? She said, 3 o'clock. He said, that's when I was praying at 3 o'clock. Well, he went off to summer camp later that year. And when he was off at camp, something happened to him. He got off the bus when it was over. And his dad looked, you know, you know your kids. His dad looked at his face and said, what, something's different. What happened to you? He said, Dad, you'll never believe it. He said, I was at camp in a circle. And we were asking for a prayer request and nobody would say anything. So he said, I said, well, I mean, you know, you all know my deal. I mean, everybody kind of knows about me by now. I'm out of school. I can't sleep. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm up all the time. He said, will you all just pray for me? And he said, a girl on the other side lifted her hand and said, hey, I'd, I'd like to answer that. And the, and the youth pastor said, well, go ahead. She said, you know, uh, my dad died and my mom remarried quick. And in a matter of months, I lost my dad. A new stepdad moved in with three children and I got bumped to the bottom of the list I lost my dad, I lost my bedroom, I lost my family, and I live in the concrete basement in the floor while the other kids who've moved in have taken my bedroom. And she said, and I just thought, God doesn't love me. And she said, it became so depressing and overwhelming. She said, one night, I just began to have suicidal thoughts. She said, one night I went in my basement. And she said, it's like a, 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 like a dark presence met me there. And she said, for the first time, it became so clear to me how to kill myself. She said, it became so clear. It was just like, it was like that was the thing I, it was so common sense, obvious that that's what I should do. And it became clear how. And she said, I, I was so oppressed. She said, I, I, and I thought, before I kill myself, she said, I just felt like I ought to talk to somebody. And so she said, who, who would be up at this hour? And she said, Daniel, I, I remembered you. I didn't know you were old, but I remembered you. So she got on Facebook and said, I wonder if he's still on. Got on there and saw his little thing. And she said, I bet he just left that and went to sleep. She popped on. He said, yeah, what's going on? And she started to tell him. And he said, well, come on, meet me out at the light pole at the outside. And let's talk. And she said, that night you and I met in our neighborhood and we walked the block for two and a half hours till the sun came up. And she said, God used you to minister to me and save my life. And that night as the sun broke through the darkness in the dawn of the day, God ministered to me and changed my mind and I began to understand that Jesus loved me. And he said, well, this girl's letter that came to me, that was the turning point for me. Another boy raised his hand and said, Hey, could, I'd like to say something. Yeah? He said, you, 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 Y'all know a lot about my life. He said, I was going to kill myself. He said, I had already taken ice out of the refrigerator and iced my arm down so that the cut wouldn't hurt. And he said, Somehow, just before, I thought I should tell somebody. She said, I, I know I'll call... I don't know anybody that'd be up, but maybe Daniel. 
said, I'll call that kid Daniel that I don't know that well. He said, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call two, let it ring two times. Because if it's more than that, his dad's going to get up. And I, I don't, I don't want to talk to his dad. I mean, I, this could be ugly. So he said, I'm going to let it ring two times. He said, Daniel, I called you that night at four in the morning. I let it ring. The first ring you picked up and said, hello. And he said, man, what's wrong? Why are you calling me this early in the morning? And he told him what happened. And he was able to, in that minute, to be used by God to minister to that other boy. And he said, I want to tell you something. God used you to save my life. Three other kids raised their hand with different issues. Five kids. He looked at his dad after stepping off the bus from summer camp. And he said, Dad, all the time when I couldn't sleep, I thought God hated me. What I didn't know is that God loved me. And he was using me and had sent me. He didn't send my pastor to save those kids when the enemy came in to destroy the kids in our youth group. He didn't send my youth pastor. He sent me. Where's God sent you? Where's he sent you? He, sent, he has sent you. 